Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome back to Too Smart for This, a podcast for the smart and superficial girls everywhere. I am your host, Alexis Barber, and today I am so excited to have on one of the most inspiring and influential guests that we've ever had, Adina Eden. So she is the designer and co-founder of Adina Eden, her namesake jewelry line that inspires women to step into their true power. I am so inspired after talking to Adina. Adina Eden is not just a multi-million dollar jewelry line that's worn by an ongoing list of A-list celebrities like Ariana Grande, The Jenners, Cardi B, Hailey Bieber. It's also a jewelry line that is a family business, and it's created and designed straight from Adina's mission to help women make a statement for themselves and to the world. After founding her company in 2015, Adina has a spot in the 2022 Forbes 30 Under 30 list, which is a dream come true. And she has a multi-million dollar business that is also a family business, and has been recognized by Harper's Bazaar, Marie Claire, in style and others, and it's also sold in countless major department stores like Neiman Marcus, Bloomingdale's, Nordstrom, etc. You are going to absolutely love this podcast, I think. Adida gives us such incredible insight, not only into how she founded her business, the confidence that she had to build in order to continue to scale it, and how she bootstrapped essentially to this multi-million dollar status that it is now. Then we get into her actual daily routine and how she manages her time and avoids burnout as a founder. I absolutely loved this conversation. I had such a great time speaking with Adina, and she is truly an inspiration. She is one of the people who I feel like is living the dream that I have for my future and for my business. So I really hope you all enjoy this episode and whether you're interested in entrepreneurship, powerful women, or just the way to build confidence and believe in yourself, I think you'll really enjoy this episode. So let's get into it. And thank you so much, Adina, for coming on the show. As I just laid out, I love to get started with a few rapid fire questions just to get to know you. And if the audience doesn't know you, it gives a little peek into who you are. What are your big three in astrology? If you know, if you're an astrology person, if not, what's your favorite personality test? So I am not such a big astrology person, but I do happen to know. So I, my son is Scorpio. My moon is Taurus and my rising is also Scorpio. So I'm like a true, true Scorpio. Okay, next is what is your hometown and where do you live now? So my hometown has always been Brooklyn and I was in the city. I was living in Manhattan and I just recently moved back to Brooklyn after I got married. So I love it. I'm such a homebody and I feel like it's just so warm, you know, being here again. I I really love Brooklyn. My office is based out of Brooklyn. So for me, I'm just like all around Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Yes, I love. I also live in Brooklyn, so I love to see it. That's amazing. It's the best. I saw your store in, um, like, where Dumbo House is, and like over there, and I was like, oh my god, stunning! Like, yeah, Brooklyn is a spot. 
Okay, next is what is something about your personality that makes you feel really smart? I guess there's a couple of things, but one thing that I've really taken on in the past few years is reading. Um, And I really, really feel very smart when I read. I read a lot of books. I read about three books a week. And that makes me feel very, very smart. I feel like I'm constantly like renewing my knowledge on many different things. And that's just a part of me that like my personality has always been very persistent. And so I feel like with the persistency and just like constantly reading and like following up on things or questions or ideas that I have just makes me feel very smart. I'm obsessed with that. Three books a week too. So what is the best book you've read this month? So this month I've read a couple of different books. What I really loved was This Tender Land. Um, I'm not exactly sure of the author. I don't remember, but it's basically like a coming of age story about these four orphans who kind of like band together and go on this quest of leaving this orphanage school where they were where they were basically learning and being raised. And it was kind of like, I mean, they called it like the dungeon kind of, you know, and it was just really amazing to see the relationships that they developed as they went on this journey and like each one and their personality and how they meshed together and how they kind of found who they are. Because again, they were orphans and they don't really know who they are, where they came from. So it was really amazing to see all of that. And then just seeing how they stuck together through all the craziness of the journey and like, even like on the ups and downs. And like, it was just a really nice story of like trial, tribulation, friendship, um, and then like building relationships in the outside world and like, you know, just how to be loyal. And, and it was really, it was a beautiful story. So I loved it. That's amazing. I will have to add that to the list and make sure everyone checks it out. What's one thing about your personality that makes you feel superficial in a good way, like a material girl type of thing? Okay, so I love this question because I feel like it kind of grounds me a little bit. I mean, I'm very, like on Instagram, I'm like always looking at like, what's the next thing? What's like the next purchase? I have to post this. I have to post that. And I feel like sometimes it makes me forget like who I am because like a lot of times I don't care for those things, but like I still get it or I still make sure to have it like for the post or for the gram, you know? And I feel like that sometimes makes me very superficial. So I feel like when I take time off of Instagram or from social media in general, I kind of come back to myself. I feel like the constant trends and like having to keep up with it and posting and like all of that kind of makes me superficial sometimes. Yeah. I would love to also hear about your experience using Instagram to build your business and like the boundaries you have to build with it, but we'll finish rapid fire first because I love to hear that. For you, what is your most important self-care practice? Massages, like very, very big, very big. I I have to have a massage once a week. It's like my thing. And like, no one can interrupt me during that time. Like I'm fully off the grid. And for me, that's extremely important, especially when I have associates, employees, partners, like reaching out to me. I'm like, I just need a minute. And then vacations. I really like to travel. I'm a very big believer in spending my money on travel and like on experience. And I feel like when I go away, when I like see different cultures and countries and places, it just makes me feel very relaxed, very zen. And I kind of come back with like a new purpose. Absolutely. I mean, travel is a big thing for me, just getting out of your comfort zone, especially with New York. Like I love New York, but sometimes you got to get out to appreciate it. Okay. Finally, what is the worst advice you've ever received? 
So when I first started out Adina's, which is now, by the way, we were formerly Adina's Jewels. We're now Adina Eden. But when I first started Adina Eden, people kind of told me, and I guess this was more like family, just because I was really, really young. um, And I guess close friends, they kind of told me not to blow it up, to keep it like a side hustle so that I don't steer away from college and from my studies. And in the end of the day, like I was a little nervous about that because I did want to really expand. And when I started seeing the promise and the future that this could bring me, I wanted to really go hard at it. The worst advice that I was told was, hey, keep this a side hustle and, you know, study what you're studying and then go after that as a career and just have this help you, you know, pay through college. And it ended up being the worst advice that I could get because I ended up doing the opposite and I turned my side hustle into my full time hustle and I did finish school, which I would always tell people finish school. But I mean, at the end of the day, I don't know where I would be today if I didn't have a Dean Eden. So I'm very happy. Yeah, that I did not listen to that advice. I am too, because you're such an inspiration. And so with that being said, when did you start and how have you taken or how did you sort of get to that point where you could make it a full-time job? Like what was the like trigger there? I think about two years in to, you know, having started the company. So I really started off just like making jewelry by hand, very, very simple, nothing too crazy. Um, started getting orders and, you know, just from friends and, you know, started having a little bit of petty cash, went to some trade shows, trunk shows, showed my jewelry, started selling, um, got my name more out there from word of mouth and just from social media. I guess this was two years in, I was like halfway through college. I was like, or like three quarters of the way through. And I kind of felt like I had a deep passion for jewelry that was just growing every single day. And I would constantly like, I couldn't wait to get home and just like do more stuff with jewelry and like make more necklaces, make more bracelets, like add more to my collection. Um, And at that point I was wearing so much of it. And I just, people would stop me like, where is this from? Like, can I get this? Like, and I just felt like I want to take this to the next level. And I felt like Brooklyn could only take me so far. My community can only get me so far. And so I kind of like begged my brother, who's like a computer and like math genius to like get in with me on the deal. And I was like, let's make an e-com website. And so we started a website, started posting things, you know, getting links and all of that. And before I knew it, orders started to roll in, you know, like we were posting on Instagram and then people were going to the site and placing orders and like people who did not live close by where I could just go and deliver or they could come pick up. It was much easier to ship. Before I knew it, orders were rolling in, rolling in. And then Q4 came around and that was epic. And that was like the first like holiday season of seeing what could be, you know, and that was it. After that, we just went heavy on the social media, heavy on the influencer marketing. We started building amazing relationships with brands, with influencers, with bloggers, with celebrities, and it just took off. That is wild. So around how old were you when you started the business? I was about 18 and a half. I was turning 19. Um, it was like a year. I was in my second, going into my second semester of college. Amazing. Wow. And then and then in that time, like two or three years in, when did when did it start popping off? How old were you then? So I think it started popping off when I was like 20, 21. And so like I kind of put like my whole life aside and I was like, this is gonna be something really epic. And I could feel it in my bones. And I was like, 
I have to do this. I have to change the course of my life, the course of my family's life. My parents are both immigrants and seeing them work paycheck to paycheck for 20 plus years was just like, I have, I can't have my life be like this either. And I wanted to change their future. I wanted to change my own future, that of my siblings. And I said, let's just do this. You know, like, I mean, like, I mean, to get married, to start a family, like that's always going to be there. And like, for me, that was always a priority too. But I felt like I had something really special in my hands and I did not want to let that opportunity go. I really relate to that as well, but I'm also just like very inspired by the story of like wanting to take it and run with it. And where do you think you got that, the confidence to do that? Because you mentioned like people in your family were like, don't let this, you know, keep you from this trajectory that you're on right now. And I mean, going to college when you're from a child of immigrants is already such a big deal, you know? And so when you had this business and you were like, okay, I'm going to take it to the next level. Was it the support of your brother? Had you always been like really confident or what was it that really kept you grounded and like ready to go with this? So I always, I was always very confident even though, I mean, and I'm not going to say like I didn't have reason to be. I mean, I was bullied in school. I was really overweight as a child. Um, so I felt very secluded and out of, um, you know, like out of that feeling with my peers. I didn't really feel like I connected. Um, and I always felt very different. And I guess I see that today. And I, I understand that that's actually a good thing, that it wasn't something to be afraid of or, you know, feel like lesser than. But I was always confident and I knew who to, su- to surround myself with because, your support system is extremely important. And I feel like just not paying attention to what people say who don't have anything good to say is extremely important. I mean, like when someone was telling me something and I'm like, this doesn't vibe with me, like just cut them off. Like don't put yourself in that situation where you're going to like be forced to like listen to what someone's saying. And like, I learned this years in therapy, like you're never actually forced. Like you could just walk away from a conversation that is destroying you or is making you feel like you're not good enough. And so like I had to block certain people out of my life. I had to stop hanging out with certain people and talking to certain people. And I did that because at the end of the day, it was like, if you're making me doubt every single thing that I do and it's affecting like not only my mental health, but my business and like my future, it's just not going to work. I slowly figured out who was on my side and who was not and who was genuinely happy for me, who wanted to see me grow and help me. And I took my confidence and I just, you know, sometimes you have to fake it till you make it. And I did that. And I went for it and I, I let myself be surrounded by these smart, intelligent people. I took people's advice. I took constructive criticism. And little by little, I just started growing in my business, but also myself in my own personal life. And And that's just the way to do things sometimes. I completely agree. And I think that for a lot of women, they get like scared to cut people off or scared to like have confrontation or get, you know, to a place where they're surrounded by people who they want to be like, not just people who were there because you've been there the whole time growing up. And so it's a really big, you know, lesson in confidence and a big lesson in interpersonal relationships. Like, when you start having a little bit of success and seeing who around you is there for it and who isn't. And I think that that's one side of it. But the other part is like actually growing a business, which is very difficult. So I'd love to hear from you how you bootstrapped in the beginning to get to where you are now, because I'm a brand new founder. I just launched my brand and I am like, it's everything seems like a huge 
you know, mountain to climb. So I'd love to hear a little more about your story and how, why you decided to bootstrap in the beginning and the other decisions you made over time. So bootstrapping was kind of my only choice. It was my only option. So I started off with a really small amount. And what was good with jewelry was that, you know, it just kind of built on each other. So it was really easy for me to just keep going and buying more supplies or more tools and more things that I needed. Something really important that I will say is that when you do bootstrap your own business, there's kind of this underlying agreement that you have to come to with yourself. And that's you don't take a salary. And for me, Luckily, I was really young, so I didn't like need that money to support myself. I was living at home with my parents. For me, taking the money that I earned and putting 100% of it back into the business was extremely important. And I did that for a couple of years. Without that, I, I don't think where I don't know where I would have been today because that money, that seed money in the beginning is so extremely vital for the you know for the growth and for the expansion of the business but i basically did not take a salary i was really really frugal i made sure to like only spend money within the business on what was needed and i feel like when you don't have that extra cash to just throw and spend you end up making really smart decisions because every dollar counts and i see some businesses that are just throwing millions of dollars in like ventures that really have no promise. And I feel like it just comes with that extra money that you just don't know what to do with. And for me, it was always like, even if one day I do have a lot of money and I don't know what to do with it, keep it in your bank. Like cash flow is so extremely important. And like when you bootstrap and you don't have any investors outside, like you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. When COVID started, I was like, thank God I have cash in the bank because if I have to continue paying employees and I have to continue paying these rents and these things and, you know, close out invoices, I was very fortunate to have that extra money in the bank that was not thrown in some random venture that I thought would make me money 20 years down the line, you know, if at all. So I feel like being very conscious, conscious about the money that's coming in and what you're doing with it and how you're spending it is extremely important. We were very, very on top of that, especially in the beginning, because we were afraid. Again, we were we're children of immigrants. So like our parents always instilled at us, like, save your money, save your money, don't spend, don't spend. And like that just kind of went hand in hand with what we were experiencing. And it helped us to really stay grounded in that regard and not just go and blow money for no reason, because it's very easy to just book these lavish, you know, photo shoots and do all like do everything on a budget. Like and, I, and we still do things on a budget, you know, because you never know when you're going to need that money. And if you don't have to spend it, just don't, you know, like just there's no point in doing that, you know, like try to do things on a budget. Try to have, you know, a cup like one really strong employee that could do a couple of things and not just have each person doing that one robotic task every single day. Like that's what we've kind of learned. And just on top of that, like to top that all off, it was like in the beginning, we had no employees. I was doing everything myself. So I didn't have to pay anyone else's salary either. And that helped a lot. So like if you're bootstrapping, you have to do A, B, C, and D. You have to do the Instagram. You have to do the Facebook. You have to do like the Pinterest. You have to do the customer service. You have to do the uploading. All of that because it gets you so much farther later on. Absolutely. That was, that's very inspiring. And like, 
I totally agree. I think a lot of people, like we talked about earlier, like are doing things for the gram or doing the like lavish photo shoots or whatever for the gram. And like when I, I think in entrepreneurs, you know, things go wrong and I had a sample come and I had to like do my photo shoot in like a way I hadn't wanted to do it. But you just get your friends to show up and you just get it done. And like, I think that's what you've got. You've got to rely on like yourself and your community and like trust. It's just such an exercise in trusting yourself is like building a business, I think. So for you, then you went, you were bootstrapping small business and now you're a major brand with stores and with a major D2C pipeline. So where where did that transition happen and how did you handle it? Like going from, okay, there this is me and my brother, we're doing e-com to I'm going to open a store or I'm going to have like an even bigger or I'm going to find relationships with celebrities. Like what was that turning point like? When we first started off, we were doing everything in my parents' house in their basement. And I think the real turning point happened when we decided to get an office. So it was just me and my brother. We said, let's get an office. Let's start hiring people. Let's start investing in the way that we're taking images, let our website look proper. And so we did that. We signed an office lease. And then we kind of made it like into like our executive office, but also like as our warehouse and as our customer service base. And we started hiring people. And it was very scary at first, but before we knew it, all these people who were like helping us before we started knowing it, like us having more time to do other things and like not focus on like answering emails or like answering customer service phone calls. So we finally had like the the time of the day to like focus on other aspects and like see where else we could grow in. And that was what kind of helped us like getting that extra couple of hours a day to like focus on how we could grow and expand in other areas and like what else we can add to our e-com to make it better and more, you know, consumer facing. Once we were able to focus on that, we started getting a lot of outreach. And so some really big department stores reached out to us and wanted to feature our stuff on their site, you know, like wholesale. And that was where the next really big turning point happened, I would say, because we went from only selling online, we went from only, you know, direct to consumer to now doing, you know, selling to businesses. And that opened up a whole other world, a completely different channel of, you know, marketing and of just, you know, sales. And before we knew it, department store after department store was reaching out. And today we have, I don't know how many wholesale partnerships, whether it's Neiman Marcus, Nordstrom, Bloomingdale's, you know, Bergdorf's, I mean, you name it, we're there, was just crazy to see. And I think that was really where the next turning point happened because we started to reach so many different customers who we weren't able to reach, you know, from our own e-com or just from from Instagram. So say someone is starting a business today and like long-term wants to be in a department store. Um, I know that like for a long time, D2C was like the hot thing, like only sell like e-commerce, like don't focus on wholesale partners. But to me, I think like it's important to explore both both options. So what are the benefits of having wholesale partnerships and being in those department stores as opposed to like just having an e-commerce business? So, I mean, like I said, it opens you up to a very, very big audience. So there's a lot of people who let's say shop on these in these department stores or on their on their e-com websites who don't have Instagram, you know, that older crowd that doesn't really 
go with Instagram. They don't care for Facebook. They don't have TikTok. And so you're getting them through these other partners who can end up coming to your website later on or like who who their granddaughters or you know their daughters told them like hey I love this brand Adina eat it and they're like well I don't know how to get to them and then all of a sudden they're walking you know in Nordstrom and they're like oh that that's the company that my daughter told me about let me see what I can get for her so it opens you up to so much to a very big audience it's not free marketing but it's definitely a good marketing to have. And then of course it legitimizes your brand because it makes people say like, okay, if they're selling to Bloomingdale's and to Neiman Marcus and to Nordstrom, then obviously they have a reputable brand and they, they their jewelry speaks for itself. They stand behind their product and that goes a long way too. And of course the sales, I mean, it's a guaranteed sale. You know, so of course it comes with many different, you know, legal stuff that you have to look through and, and a lot of different, you know, like you don't want to get charged back and all that, but it's a really, really great opportunity to get a really big sale and to have a continuous, you know, purchase order coming in constantly. Absolutely. And so when these brands came to you and like, we're like, we wanted to, you know, start doing a wholesale partnership. How did you, since you had no idea what was going on there, like how did you learn, you know, a, what a chargeback is or like all these things that are in this industry that like you had just been doing so well by yourself and now you had all these other moving parts? Like how did you learn from that? Was you Were you just Googling it and figuring it out or did you have like advisors that you, you know, leaned on? We just did it all on our own. Like we went on Google, we read up what we needed to read. They sent us over, you know, guides uh, every every company has a different guidebook. Um, we would read it through and through, understand everything, write it all down, make sure that we were doing everything properly. We asked many questions, which is a great thing to do because you can never ask too many questions and make sure you're doing things the right way so that you don't get a charge back. But honestly, all of these brands worked with us. I mean, they saw how young we were. This was again before COVID. So Everything was still happening in person. They saw how like that we really were kids and they just kind of like fell in love with the story, fell in love with the brand. They saw the jewelry in person. They touched it. They felt it like they just were like, we want to make this happen for you. And like, just let us know how we can help you. And that was a really amazing thing because I feel like sometimes you're afraid that like the whole world is up against you. But really, I feel like when you actually put your heart and soul into something, it's almost like the world just comes together to make it happen for you. And and that's exactly what happened. And so, yes, we were Googling and YouTubing and seeing and watching videos. But at the end of the day, we wanted it to happen so badly that it would happen no matter what. It took us time to like learn and everything like that. And eventually we did hire someone who's completely trained just on wholesale and was helping us, you know, get all those shipments out and working on different guides for us to have here with our shipping methods and all of that. But in the beginning, we did it all ourselves. And it was definitely like jumping into a black hole because we didn't know what was waiting for us at the bottom. But at the end, it ended up being the best thing that we could have done. Absolutely. I love that story. I love that too, because I think that message that if you really care about something and you genuinely believe it's like helping other people and making them feel good, then everything is going to work out. And so I love that message, but I also want to hear like how you got through the tough stuff. So when, what would you say was like the biggest challenge you had to overcome, like when scaling this business to get it to where it is now? So I think 
for me, the toughest challenge, I think for us, was hiring the right team. So we were very involved from the beginning, my brother and I. So we were like, we were involved in every facet of the business. Letting go and like not micromanaging was extremely, extremely hard just because at the end of the day, and like I always learned this from my parents is when the boss is there, everything gets done. Once you take a step back, mistakes start to happen. You know, things start to go south. Trusting people was very hard for me. Hiring the right team and and, you know, at the right price point was extremely difficult because for me, you know, like as a 21-year-old, 22-year-old to hire someone and be like, oh, hey, here's like $100,000 salary. It was like, oh, hold on. Like, I'm not even getting that money. Like, I haven't taken a penny yet. How does this make sense that I'm hiring a complete stranger and training them and they're just going to like, they get their paycheck. Like, but what if, like, what if it doesn't work for my business and what they're doing doesn't help and then, of course, comes, you know, loyal employees. Not everyone is loyal. It's it's hard to trust and it's hard to just say, OK, you do this and I'll do this. And but it doesn't work like that all the time. And so for me, it was really hard on building the team. Like, how many people do we need? Do we need 20 people? Do we need 50 people? I don't want to overhire. I don't want to un- underhire. Like, how do we make this work? And how do we like ultimately at the end of the day, how do we become a team And it's not like just me, you, but it's like us, it's we, that took some time. Um, And until we were able to build a team, I was still very, very involved doing a lot of the things. And um, to this day, I'm in the office every single day and I love it and I'll never, ever change that. However, I trust my employees and I I let them do what they have to do. And I explain to them, like, if you make a mistake, like, I'm not firing you because you made a mistake. Like, that's just, and that's what also people's fears are, you know, because like, there's that anxiety of like, they don't want to tell me that they made a mistake. And I'm like, no, like, it's okay. Like, we all make mistakes. That's totally fine. I, I appreciate when you tell me that you made a mistake and we'll work together to make sure that like, we can like avoid that from happening in the future, you know? I think building the right team that has your best interest at heart was my biggest challenge. And we're still working on that. We're still we're still evolving all the time. But my team today is far more stronger and more united, I think. And for me, that was really important in the culture that we built here is that like we're a family. This is a family business. And for me, we are a family, whether, you know, like whether you're from Ecuador, whether you're from, you know, China, whether you're from here, we are just a family. And I appreciate all of my, 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 I appreciate my whole entire team. And each person has their own different, I guess, what they're good at. They all have their own different strengths and weaknesses. And together we kind of come as a family and like, focus on the best that we can give and like what we need help with and we just make it work. And that's sort of the best way to like run things, I think. And every founder I've talked to says that like hiring and finding the right people to care about your business is the hardest part because you feel like no one's ever really going to care as much as you do. And even for me with like just like hiring someone to post the podcast graphics, it just gives you such anxiety because it's like I, I, I can always do it better. Like what's happening here? And it's it's a real exercise in like personal growth. And it's a lot. It seems like you all have like, you know, overcome a lot and been able to build that now. And I'm, I'm, I mean, it's working for you. So that's incredible. But separately, I'm curious then for you, what made, what sparked the decision to rebrand as Adina Eden as opposed to Adina's Jewels? 
I mean, we had during the pandemic, we started a little, a really small rebrand with the same name, Adina's Jewels, but we wanted to focus more on the Adina. And I, I feel like a lot of people in the in the most in the more recent years where I started gaining more confidence and I felt more comfortable being on screen, being on camera, speaking to, you know, the followers, the customers. I wanted the more emphasis on my name. And I actually named the business after my great after my grandmother, who I never met because I'm named after her. It's just a culture thing. And so I wanted to really focus more on the Adina. I wanted to share my story with the world. That's really what it was. And I felt like jewels ties you only to jewelry. I have a lot of plans in future and a lot of plans and, you know, different things for the future. And I wanted to have this one brand that could be an umbrella to different, you know, aspects of, you know, different categories, honestly. And I felt like Adina Eden is my middle name. We had this really amazing creative marketing genius through mutual through mutual associates. We we reached out to him and kind of got introduced and he loved the story and he's like, I think we can do something epic here. Eden is kind of like Garden of Eden. And it's always been how we've had our brick and mortars look, you know, very floral, very gardeny. And we said, let's just combine the two and create this like this paradise in this very rugged New York place. Um, and so, and that's who I've always been. I've always been this like, not like, like this very innocent, naive person and being throughout all the chaos and craziness that was around me. And I never let it like affect me. And so I felt like it's the perfect way to kind of come out and say like, this is who we are. We want to inspire other women. We want to inspire anyone who wears our jewelry. I want, I mean, jewelry made me feel confident and I want to do that for other girls or guys or anyone really. I want everyone. And we, cause I mean, we really cater to almost everyone. And I want anyone who wears my jewelry, who puts on a necklace or a bracelet or an earring. I want them to feel more confident in themselves. I want them to feel like now I can do what I got to do. Like this was the last thing I needed to tie up this perfect outfit. And like, now I am set out to, you know, accomplish anything that I want to do. And like, I can't tell you how many times a certain necklace made me feel like I could power through a meeting or an interview just because it made me feel better about myself. And ultimately that's what we wanted to do. And Adina Eden is a very strong and powerful name. It's me. It's, it's my ancestors, it's where I've come from, and it's, it's my future, and it's what I stand for. And I wanted to show that to the world. And I, I think that's a beautiful story because it just, it just works so perfectly. I mean, and it's so, it's like, like you said, when you have a passion, which you clearly do for what you're doing, it all works out and like even down to the name where it just works out so perfectly. So I do want to jump into some conversations about how you manage having a huge brand that's like even around your name and how you've scaled it. And you also mentioned you recently got married. So congratulations. And so I would love to hear about how you balance it all. So the theme for this month on my show is is, is exploring the idea of balance. Is it possible? How do people do it all? And you clearly have self-care practices, so props to you on that. But when you think about the word balance, wh what comes to mind? Like, Do you feel like it's something that you're tired of hearing about or do you feel like it's something you've got down? Like, What's your initial reaction? So I think balance is extremely important. And like for me, as much as you can balance things out, the better it is. I, I always feel like 
you know, like equilibrium is extremely important. And I think it goes with with business. It goes with your personal life. It goes with relationships and partnerships. And I feel like there's you could never have enough balance. I mean, you could always continue to work more and more towards that, you know, perfect homeostasis. And I feel like, yes, I have my moments where I feel very under the pressure, you know, like Q4s, we're pretty much already in Q4. Things are just going to get crazier once November hits. Um, and there are days where I feel like I, I can't do this. Like I need a break. Then like going outside or going on a little mini weekend getaway kind of brings me back to myself. Focusing on my health and like my overall just well-being, that helps a lot. So like surrounding myself with friends and family and just like taking a minute of like even sometimes a day off, like that's just enough to make me feel balanced again. And like, okay, I could go back to work now, you know, like so I feel like balance is extremely important, especially if you want to be successful and you don't want to burn out too quickly. Cause I had times where I felt like I am burning out and like I don't think I could continue to do this. You know, surrounding yourself with the right support system, making sure that you have people who are genuinely, you know, who genuinely want to care, like who care and who want the best for you and who are willing to, you know, help you with whatever it is you need help with that takes you to the next level and it helps you balance out your life. And like we said, like every, for me, it's, it's, it's massages and it's vacations for someone else. It could be drinking a green juice and like watching TV or like going on TikTok or like it could be anything for you. Take advantage of that, especially if you know what makes you calm and relaxed do that and like let yourself feel balanced because there's nothing better than coming back to yourself and like regrouping and rejuvenating to then go even harder at what you want to accomplish. I feel the same way. It's like sometimes you just need one day and you get back like immediately. And I think avoiding burnout is like the most important thing because you can't serve people. You can't be, you know, you can't have your passion and execute it if you are dying yourself, you know, like it doesn't help at all. So I really appreciate that. Like you've been transparent about that. And like some, sometimes it's like people are like no days off and that can be really toxic ta- or <laughs> toxic taxing. It can be, it can be really like hard on you. And I think like you've done a great job of just finding that support system and building those boundaries 100%. So I am curious then like, what are your like long-term goals with it? Do you think you'll like stay in the business forever and like expand to other categories and stuff like that? Or do you see yourself like taking a step back at any point? Because it's my name, I think I'll always some way, somehow be tied. Um, There's definitely going to be a time, I guess, when like I start the journey of motherhood that I would want to take that step back and really focus on like raising my kids and being there for my kids. My parents were always working. I was raised by housekeepers and nannies. And I don't want that for my kids. And I know my parents had no choice but to do that because they were running and hustling and working. But I feel like I've gone to a point where like, if I have to take a step back, I can. And that's the beauty of expanding your team and of you know, being there with them in the beginning and really solidifying their, their place here. And so for me, yeah, I'm always going to be the face. I'm always going to have to show up. I'll always have to, you know, be the bobblehead, I guess. 
but eventually I think I will, I will take a step back and I will try and, you know, focus more on myself. I think eventually I a hundred percent want to, you know, venture out into different categories and obviously one step at a time because we've just, you know, touched the surface of jewelry. And I feel like there's so much more for us to tap into, but I think I'm always going to be somewhere around the corner. I mean, right now I think I do too much and I work too much, but I think eventually taking the step back would be the right thing just for the company to grow without me, you know, always being so on top of everything. It'll, it'll, it'll give the, the, I think the business that balance that it needs of like not having me too much there, you know, also like sometimes my employees are like, can you not come in today? <laughs> like, we just want to you, you know? It's going to be my baby for a while, you know, like, I mean, I think for a couple more years, eventually down the line, I think I want to take a step back for sure. Absolutely. I think that's cool. That's just like good to hear because I think one of the beautiful parts of entrepreneurship is being able to design your own life and like do something you're passionate about. So I'm happy to hear that from you. And so you mentioned you work a lot right now. So could you walk us through like your morning routine and your evening routine to like help you stay you so that you can keep working like that? Yes. So my morning routine. So first of all, I don't look at my phone for like the first hour of the day. And I've done that because I already wake up with like a million messages from like the team from whatever it is. I'm not an early riser. So I'm a night owl. And I wake up I cannot wake up before nine o'clock any day like I just can't. So like I always say like I book my meetings for like later on in the day, like I'm just more I'm much better in the evening, honestly. And I work because I've worked so late at night when I first started, I guess I kind of just like got this habit of like being like much more performing, like I perform much higher at night. So in the morning, I'm just like not there. Um, so I like to wake up at my at my own speed, you know, do my own thing, no phone, you know, do my morning routine in the in the in the house. You know, I have my husband, so like I like to spend some time with him. He works from home, like he has an office at home. So like I like to have the first, you know, 30 minutes at least with my husband, kind of like talk and like, how'd you sleep? Like what do you have planned for the today? Like what do you want for dinner? Like just kind of like that, you know. And I like doing my whole skincare routine you know, brush my teeth, that whole thing, start like picking out my outfit for the day, of course, what jewelry I'm going to put with it. Kind of then I look at my schedule, see what I have planned, kind of like already get into that like work mode. And then I get to the office, uh, which my husband drives me every morning. So it's really cute, like blast tunes and whatever. And then he drops me off, I get into the office, I start, you know, my morning with like just everything that I had to like deal with from the night before, like that was not, you know, that carried over. My employees are constantly like knocking on my door, question, 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 which I love being a part of because I know what they're working on and what they're doing. And then we have some meetings just with like the entire team or like different, you know, parts of the team, kind of like concerns, inquiries, all of that stuff. Like I explain to them what I'm working on um, and like what's like what for, like what they should expect. And then usually there's something big going on. Like, for example, we're opening a new store or we have, you know, a trunk show coming up or we have like an influencer event or like something like that where like the team is relaying to me like what they need from me and then I'm telling them what I expect back. Then I really just work. I answer a lot of emails. I do all of that kind of stuff. I check calendars. I add stuff. I all of that. I don't have an assistant. So I do it all myself. 
I try to do a little bit of social media work, you know, do some stories, like get a picture maybe for a post. So like I'll run downstairs and take a picture on the street, stuff like that. And then, you know, I like to leave the office no later than seven. But now with Q4, I'm probably going to be leaving like at 10. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, going home and then preparing dinner, I leave my phone for the night. Um, so it's like my employees know they could reach out, they could email, they could call. And like when I can, I'll respond. Then right before, like right when I finish dinner, I like to go through the orders. So I look through every single order that came in on the website and in the store. That's just like my thing. I like to see, you know, what's working. I'm the one who does all the merchandising. So I like to see how the changes that I, I did the last time I was at the store, how it affected the sales. And then I basically do my nighttime routine, my, my, you know, take off my makeup, put on like, you know, my creams and stuff and get all comfy and cozy. And then I get into bed. I like to read about 50 pages before I go to sleep, 50 or a hundred pages, depending on how tired I am. And like, if I really have to like make my eyes get blurry, like I'll read a hundred pages or something and then I go to sleep and that's it. I like to leave my phone. I don't need to like do the whole scrolling thing. Like I've pulled back from that. And that's very impressive. Like you said, the three books a week, like the the ability to do that. It's just so good for your mental health too when you're working so much to like disconnect like that. But wow, like there, that's so much in one day and you, you do all the merchandising. So like, how do you decide what to invest in? Like you decide to open a new store or you decide to go in and make a change or something. Do you use data a lot to make those choices or is it more like intuition? So when it comes to opening stores, it's really my brother and I who work on it. And it's like, yes, of course, like looking at statistics, seeing like where majority of our sales come in from and like where we could venture out to, of course, checking spaces, going and seeing, you know, that place itself. What we've kind of realized in the past few months is that brick and mortar is really making a comeback almost. And like people are really shopping in store and in person. And so we kind of wanted to jump on that bandwagon and kind of get that rolling. And so that's why we have our Soho store. We have, you know, the Dumbo location and we're working on opening a couple more merchandising. That's all just me in my head. Like, it's just like, like I said, when I look at the orders, I'm like, I think this style is doing better because I put it here. And so that kind of helps me know what part of the store people are focusing on. And like, if I feel there's a weaker part of the store or like a weaker part of the vitrine, the next time I'll go in, I'll put like heavier stuff there to kind of bring the attention to that part. But it's all just like, I can't explain it. Like, and that's why that's one thing that I really find very hard to train someone to do. I do have my people who help me, but at the end of the day, it's my vision. And I just can't explain how I just one day wake up and decide I want to change the whole entire store. It just, it's just like, it's me and like sometimes they look at me and they're like are you crazy and I'm like yes I am crazy and like I can't even explain it and I, I'm just, I just tell them I'm like just watch what I'm doing because I don't even have words to explain it like you just have to see I'll change displays and I'll change like all these things that I feel like I want to test out different stuff and it goes a long way because I end up seeing the reports after and I see the orders and I'm like okay like I was right, you know, like this did help and or like I was wrong. Let me go back and unfix and undo this, you know, so like it helps me kind of see, you know, and it keeps me very in touch with what's going on. And I think that's the most important thing, because at the end of the day, you could bring reports, you could bring statistics, but 
what I see is what I see. And at the end of the day, if this is what works, then that's what works. And that's what I'm going to do. And I think that's a balanced way to approach work too, is like you have people who do things that like maybe are your weaknesses, but in this situation, it's like, even though it might take more time and some people might not want to do that, like, you know, that it's something that means a lot to you. And I even think looking at the orders every day, like that's such a, like a game changer and shows how much you care too. So I love that. And so do you have any like, like, I know we're running on time. Do you have any advice for like new founders or people who want to start a business, like things that you wish you would have done in the beginning or like any general advice? Yeah, I think the most important thing is you have to be passionate about what you do. I know a lot of people start businesses and then after two weeks, if they don't see any results, they're just like, all right, I'm done. But you're not going to see results right away. And I think that's the most important thing to tell people because if you're passionate about doing something, even if you don't see the results right away, you're still going to continue going at it because it's your passion. And I feel like if you love what you do, then keep doing it. And the results will show up eventually. I mean, you can't say I put 100% of my effort and I got 0% back. Like there's no such thing. Like when I used to tell my mom I studied for the test, I don't know how I got a 50. Like, honey, you didn't really study, you know? And like, if you really, really studied, even if the test was extremely hard, you would have, you would have showed some percent for that, you know? And so I feel like if you love it and you really, really care and you put your all into it and it has to be your all, it has to be a hundred percent of you because when you're bootstrapping, when you're starting something yourself, no one else is doing it for you. It's all you. Like if you don't do it, no one else is going to do it. And so if you want this future that you envision for yourself, you have to go at it so, so hard and you cannot let anyone stand in your way. The results will show up. If it if it's in a month, if it's in two months, if it's in a year, if it's in five years, if you could do it, do it because the results will show up. I did not have that snowball effect day one of my business. But when I first started my e-com website, I didn't get an order that same day and I didn't get an order a week after. But before I knew it, as I invested into my website, as I invested into getting the word out and spreading the word and, and, and kind of like getting people in touch with that, then it started happening. And like the first five orders, it's like at least once you get that, then the next 500 orders can come in. But like you have to at least start somewhere. And I think we all forget that like we think we could just run into the sunset, but it's not like that. You have to, you know, you got to crawl before you walk you know, and you got to walk before you run. I think we put this like very like bad and negative pressure on ourselves of like, if I'm starting this business, I have to be able to show numbers right away. But it's, it's not like that. You know, it takes time. Building a business takes time, whether you have investors or whether you're bootstrapping, it takes time the same way it takes time to grow and to flourish. And, you know, like you don't go from being one month to one year in a day like you. It just everything in due time. And once you learn that patience, which 100 percent is a very, very deep virtue. Once you learn that patience, you become unstoppable because to you you know, success in a year or success in two years becomes all the same because you love what you do. And you're putting in that effort every single day, the same amount, because you know that eventually you're going to be successful. And I think that's the most important thing to share because, you know, money comes and goes, but that deep rooted connection from the beginning and those building blocks, 
if you build up on a cloud, you're not going to sustain yourself. You have to start off at the bottom and work your way up. So that's that's my piece. I feel like everyone needs to hear it every day and just remind themselves like that was a true it was like a sermon almost like truly like amazing like so good to hear so many gems in that I mean I think it's so hard growing up today and you see what looks like overnight success like even your company to me it just seems like this incredible thing that's like almost like it's always been there whatever and it's like you know you guys were working hard you didn't have like overnight like randomly became successful you were doing the work and so that is so inspiring and thank you for sharing I have two last questions for you before I let you go the first is do you have a book or a podcast or a resource that you feel like changed the game for you that you'd recommend to people so I don't have something specific but a lot of those you know I like to read what other people did in the past so I like to kind of take people's advice um, through their experiences and learn from it easily than have to go through that experience and learn it the hard way. So I always feel like you can learn things the easy way, you can learn things the hard way. And learning things the hard way doesn't help you. And I feel like when I read other entrepreneurs' story, whether they're women, whether they're, you know, these big time mogul, you know, men who've been established for a hundred years. I like reading their stories. I like seeing how they dealt with things in hardship because I feel like it's the hard moments where you see who's a true leader and who isn't. And I feel like, you know, the good times are going to roll around, but it's the tough times that you have to learn how to like kind of manage. Um, And so I like to read, you know, a lot of books of, of of people who explained what it's like to be a CEO, what it's like to be a designer, the backlash, and how to deal with things, how to deal with different characters from employees and how to scale your business, how to grow, and how to know when to take that like leap of faith, you know? Like Oprah Winfrey and even, you know, like Kim Kardashian and, you know, um, so many people who who started off very differently from where they ended up to me that's kind of really amazing to see and so like just just like so many different books that I could just like bring you a million off the top of my head that like it's just amazing to see you know how people start off as assistants and end up becoming CEOs of companies and I feel like I love reading those books because it teaches you that like you never know your calling until until it just happens you know and so I feel like surrounding yourself with like listening to to people stories and like you know like I always say like sometimes the housekeeper or the woman who cleans the office ends up giving me this crazy life advice that I'm just like wow you know and like you just don't know where people come from and where they've been and what their stories are and how their experiences can shape what you end up doing and I feel like just being this worldwide like renowned person who could listen to like this mogul genius, but at the same time, like listen to anyone on the street who's willing to tell you something, like open, keep your ears open always. And like podcasts and, and, and just listening to like people speak. And it's just so amazing to see how much you can learn from the very mundane stories that people tend to say day to day. Absolutely. I love that. There's so much knowledge out there and like connection, whether it's through a book or through a podcast, whatever it is, connection is like the best way to learn. I totally agree with you there. 
So my final question that I like to ask everyone um, who comes on my show is finish this sentence with something that you want young people or anyone to know. You are too smart for... Okay, I think you are too smart for thinking that other people's opinions dictates who you are and what you can accomplish. At the end of the day, it's just you. You're too smart for that. I think you're too smart to think that what other people think of you is who you really are. Period. I think that everyone needs to hear that. So thank you so much for coming on. Where can everyone find you? And do you have anything you want to promo? I know it's Q4. So any new collections or anything, let me let us know. Yes, yes. Definitely check out our butterfly, our Adina Eden butterfly collection. It's and you gorgeous, find- by the way. I am obsessed. I love butterflies. Thank you. Thank you. So do I. Um, and you can find me at my personal Instagram at It's Adina Eden on Instagram. So that's me. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on and have a fabulous day. Thank you so much for listening to Too Smart for This. I am so grateful that you took the time out of your day to take a listen to these conversations. If you're looking for more content, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Two Collective. And don't forget to follow me, your host, Alexis Barber, on the Gram TikTok as well. Don't forget, you can also watch our solo episodes on YouTube. So be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel, Alexis Barber. And we do a weekly giveaway of PR products or Amazon gift cards to girls who leave great reviews down below. So please make sure to leave your reviews and follow us on Instagram to be notified in case you win. And with that, do not forget that you are too smart to not love yourself and see you in the next episode. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.